Welcome, welcome to Advancing the Mission. This is where we keep you informed and up to date on what is happening in local outreach, global missions, and church multiplication through the lens of County Line Church. I am Outreach Pastor Chris Kazmarek. And I'm Multiplication Pastor Mary Ellen Rail. And we have with us today a returning guest, but it's been a while, Dan Kim. Dan is a missionary through Global Strategy, Church of God, to Budapest, Hungary. Um, yeah, and so we we want to talk to you, Dan, because our year end offering is coming up here in a couple of weeks. We are we are there's his beautiful Church of God mug too, just to rep um, his organization that he has sent through. <laughs> but we are we have our our Joy to the World offering here coming up in a in a few weeks. We I thought you would be a great person to talk to because I know you have uh, you're really involved in a lot of the things that our offering is going towards. So. First off, one of the things that I think happens um, just, I think, in a lot of churches is when you give money, especially to places like Europe, there the question will a lot of come up come up a lot of times of like, hey, but like, what about like these things are happening in the developing world that are really right. big deals. But talk a little bit about the need for Jesus in Europe and the Middle East, and your, your guys' region. Sure. So we have a very diverse region. I assume all regions really are, but ours is Europe and the Middle East. And you can split that up into three very distinct worlds of Eastern Europe, Western Europe, and the Middle East. And if you look at any of those similarities, yes, but total differences. Um, here, um, we could go region by region, um, in micro region, and identify the need for Jesus. Um, I mean, Middle East, uh, Lots of faith happening there, but maybe not a lot of Christian faith, uh, or at least comparatively to other people. Um, in Eastern Europe, Western Europe, there's really very little faith. Um, and these are, are lands, these are countries that historically had been Christian. Um, we think about our history in America and the pilgrims and the folks who came over from Holland and, and England and other places, and they came to settle for religious freedom and all that. Uh, they were leaving places that were heavily Christian, but they just wanted to worship differently. So um, it's it's easy to see that almost all countries here in Europe had at one time been like huge stalwarts of Christian faith. Is that a correct term? I don't know. I feel like, okay. Uh, huge, <laughs> huge places that like there's lots of Christianity uh, and they sent missionaries, they sent churches all over the world. Well, now... Um, for many reasons, there are very few active professing, confessing Christians here in Europe. Uh, there are a lot of people who, if you, you know, if you ask them directly, are you a Christian? They might say, yeah, of course I'm a Christian. I'm Hungarian. Or of course I'm a Christian. I'm German. Uh, they identify Christianity connected with their, their national um, identity, with where their passwords from. And um, with that, they might have some like some head faith. They might say, yeah, I, I know that the Bible is the word of God and stuff. But really, when it come, when push comes to shove, uh, there's very little active faith uh, or active beliefs on their own part. Um, it's I was baptized in the church when I was a kid. When I'm getting married, I go to the church, and my wife and I we have a wedding, and the pastor, the priest, whoever it is, blesses it, and that's it. And when I die, I'll go to the church cemetery. But um, to actively be a Christian, to actively believe in Jesus, uh, it's it's few and far between here. Mm -hmm. And so um, we look at. We have several Church of God congregations all across this region, and we look at it in part as these are individuals who are living uh, their lives and living their faith 
the same faith we have, um, they're living their faith uh, largely in isolation and largely in a very secular environment. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm always hesitant to use the word persecution. Um, there is definitely some of that, especially for some of our folks uh, who are from the Middle East. Um, when we lived in the Netherlands, we had lots of refugees uh, from Iran uh, and Afghanistan and other nations that came to Holland uh, to seek asylum. And they came mostly because of active Christian persecution. They converted to Christianity and were told, we're going to kill you. Uh, you're going you're gonna to be dead. Um, and so because they actively wanted to live their life as a Christian, they fled the country. Um, so uh, what am I saying, Chris? I'm saying that here uh, there's a lot of uh, secular mentality. There's a lot of atheism. There's a lot of agnosticism, a lot of uh, humanism and and good good people, good places, but not explicitly religious or not explicitly Christian. And so, yeah, there's a huge need. Um, it's Europe is a big mission field, and it's not a place that you can easily convert someone or change their thinking because um, you know they've they live in this culture where they they're taught from birth. Yeah, you're a Christian because you're like I said, German, Hungarian, whatever. Um, so it's it's very much a, a a slow process of developing a relationship and proving and demonstrating over months and years that you are a person that they can trust. You're not here just to try and get them to say a magic phrase and then move on. You're, they're not a project to you, but they're actually a friend uh, and, and you care about them. And by living your faith, by living your life, you can show them, hey, there's something nice about this and there's something real about it and there's something um, good about it. So mm -hmm. yeah. I don't know if that answers your question. Well. Yeah, that's okay. awesome. And so, so many opportunities there yeah. too, to, to reach what I consider unreached people. And I thought it was interesting what you said. We were just talking last week. We had a student from Spain that lived in our home for a year and he used almost your same words that, you know, he was a Christian because he was Spanish. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Um, when he spent time with us and lived with us and attended services with us, he said, there's something real here. There's something different here. So Absolutely. even though it's Europe and we think of it as a well-developed country, there are so many unreached people, especially as, as you think about discipleship, you know, and I'm always interested in what groups are doing in church planting or expanding their mission and not so much about, well, let's start worship services in this town, but um how are you like planting new disciple making cells uh with what you're doing in three worlds it's a great question and it's a little difficult to answer succinctly uh and easily now uh, because we had some things that were really happening uh, a lot of momentum was moving forward and then covid in the last few yeah. years all the other things really sidetracked a lot of things so right now i would say we have a lot of things that are in process and in conversation uh that people are trying to, there were plans and some of the plans now in a Zoom world and everything else have to be kind of scrapped. Some have to just be tweaked and figured out, okay, how can we continue with that? What we felt like God was leading us to do, um, but do it in a better way, a way that's more um, you know, relevant to the times of, of, of 2022, soon to be 2023. Um, I will say this though, our church here in Hungary uh, historically, we've had we've had two main congregations uh, here in Budapest, and this past summer they merged into one church. Um, mm -hmm. Pastor Petty and Pastor Lazla, who Chris, you've met them both, mm -hmm. I think. Uh, anyway, uh, 
their decision to merge uh, was not because one was struggling or they didn't have the financial resources to pay the heating or whatever. Their decision to merge was simply uh, they had two very similar congregations uh, located about a 15, 20 minute drive away from each other. Um, and they were really everyone was exhausted and tapped out. Uh, they had lots of incredibly talented, dynamic leaders. Uh, and every Sunday they're putting together in two different locations, a wonderful worship service. Um, and they thought, what if we merged and just had one worship service? Uh, then our preaching team, uh, which everyone's bivocational, no one um, is, is a paid pastor or pa paid church leader. Everyone has a full-time job in the business world. Uh, they thought, what if our, our, our preaching and teaching team didn't have to come up with something every Sunday, but we could have a rotation? Well, that would free them up. And our worship teams, we could put together a schedule and they would have a lot of freedom. And the decision to merge was simply based on if, if we had like, if we had more people and less work, then we would have a lot more time and energy and resources to do actual ministry outside the walls of the church. Exactly. Um, exactly. And so um, right now, a lot of things, the merge is still kind of fresh. It's five, six months old, um, but they're, they're really kind of. Uh, and, and and when they merged, the, one of the main worship leaders said, "We're throwing everything out. <laughs> We're just starting from scratch. Uh, nothing is is a guarantee anymore. We're figuring out what's the best way to move forward because we're a new church." Um, mm -hmm. And so their really their heart is is in ministry. Their heart is in sharing the gospel and and making disciples. Um, and so they, they have lots of things that are in the works, lots of things that are in process, in progress, and. Um, and they're working on it, but it's hard to say definitively right now they're doing this. And next Tuesday they'll do this yeah. because a lot of things are still so new, but. Right. Yeah. I, I love the direction of that because we talk a lot in multiplication about we are spending way too much time planning what happens on Sunday morning. And we need to be spending our time in the coffee houses and the neighborhoods, yeah. having people in our home and really discipling people, because that's yeah. how we can yeah. play plant new works. And I love to hear that yeah. story. That's really promising. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd love to hear, Dan, I know a, a big part of what your role has been really since February has been some of the support um, of Ukraine and, and things mm -hmm. like that, especially with Hungary being bordered to Ukraine. Can you talk maybe a little bit of what that has looked like, um, maybe from the start and maybe where you're currently at and share what, what you can? Sure. <laughs> sure. Well, let me begin by saying <clears throat> this is another reason that the, the, the question you just asked me, uh, I couldn't answer as, as well as I would like to, because the Hungarian church, in addition to merging and doing all the other changes, uh, they've been so busy trying to care for our Ukrainian neighbors and our Ukrainian church. And so, um, so yeah, uh, it, it, it is, it's been, I mean, the elephant in the room, it's, it's taken up so much of our time and energy. Um, Christy and I are planning to in the coming weeks, which geez, it's almost the end of the year. I didn't last night. I realized it's December 13th right now. Last night, I realized that we're not in November anymore. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm more than a few weeks behind. Yes. Um, um, we, we're, we're talking about looking at our calendar of past nine, 10 months and trying to quantify approximately how many hours, how many days have we just me and Christy have we spent uh, caring for Ukraine in some way, caring for the Church of God in Ukraine. Um, 
it's a lot. I, we haven't done that math yet, but I, the numbers are going to be staggering. It's been a huge uh, priority and a huge thing that's taken up so much time and energy. Um, so in February, we, our, our family, we were in Fresno, California, uh, visiting a Church of God congregation that supported us for a number of years. Uh, before we were returning to the field, we were in, in America for a home assignment, and we were planning to come back here to Hungary in early March. We were, in, we were in Fresno, and our phones started lighting up with messages from people all over, um, our teammates and Church of God people we know and Church of God people in America asking, hey, I saw the news, Ukraine, what's happening? What's this? And suddenly we found ourselves um, just with with nothing but, we didn't even have questions. We had no answers, so we, had no, we couldn't even form the questions. So we're trying to wrap our minds around what had happened, what is happening, and what would happen. Uh, and we were getting a message from someone that, uh, you know, pray for us. Our city was bombed. Uh, we think the church is okay, but a lot of the people left. And then, and then radio silence. And we're waiting several hours. Okay, what's going on? Are they still alive? Are they still safe? Where are they? Are they still in that city? Are they still in Ukraine? Have they fled? Like it, everything was just changing, and it was happening so rapidly. And really, that speed and 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 the level of uh, of transition that has kept up uh, the whole year. Uh, every day, uh, basically, our phones are lighting up with messages from people uh, in different languages, and we have to sometimes cut and paste and go to go to Google Translate to try to better understand what what's being said. Um, but things change every day. Uh, the situation changes every day. Um, um, a few weeks ago, we were preparing to make a delivery uh, of, of humanitarian aid into Ukraine. And let's say this was going to be on a Wednesday. Uh, Monday, um, we heard reports that the border had closed uh, and that there were some people who we know with a different organization, they were trapped in Ukraine because the border had closed and they didn't know when they were going to be able to come back to Hungary. And so um, it's just every day, the situation is totally different and you never know what to expect, um, what to prepare for. Um, we did leave Fresno, went to Indiana, and then we moved here. And in March of this year, uh, after we arrived, two days later, Christy and Sophie and I drove six hours north to Poland to pick up two young Ukrainian girls uh, who at the time were both 20. Uh, and they were very far removed from their families. They had been you know, in university and kind of living uh, together in this, in this city in Western Ukraine. Uh, and they fled to Poland expecting we're going to be fleeing for a couple of days until this kind of craziness stops. Well, now they're in Germany mm -hmm. uh, all these months later because it's still happening. The, it, the war is still happening and chaos is still um, uh, being experienced every day. Um, shortly after we brought these two girls to Hungary and they lived with us for the next almost three months uh, before they settled in Germany, um, we began talking about, okay, how can we help the situation up there? And long story short, um, we, Hungarian Church of God, with funds from Global Strategy, uh, purchased a van uh, that we can use to deliver humanitarian aid up uh, to our Church of God contacts uh, in Western Ukraine. The Church of God in Ukraine uh, is all over now. Uh, there are lots of people and lots of congregations who are entirely in Germany. Uh, there are lots of people who are still kind of hunkered down uh, in their hometowns, home villages, uh, and there are lots who are in Ukraine uh, within the borders, but they, they have not left uh, the country, um, largely because they can't, because young men are not usually allowed to leave the country. 
Um, so we have made, I, I think, over 30 um, humanitarian aid deliveries into Ukraine, uh, working with people who we know and trust, Church of God contacts, uh, and then they are taking the goods and distributing it locally uh, amongst the, the community that has kind of resettled in this area where they live, um, mostly folks from the east, uh, from cities whose um, who, who are being the, the cities are being destroyed uh, or have been destroyed. And so these people are living in this new part of their country, uh, trying to figure out how long are we going to be here uh, before we can go back? Is it ever going to be possible to go back? Is there anything to go back to? Uh, and we are doing everything we can to help care for their physical needs um, and then through them to care for the needs of the non-believers around them. Um, they have an incredible opportunity to share the gospel in word and deed uh, with their fellow countrymen and women uh, um, who aren't believers. Um, and a lot of the, the, the delivery of aid that we take up, a lot of it is also packaged and sent back to the east, um, to cities that are actively being destroyed, uh, cities that are in the news now even. Um, and, uh, and it's being used there to keep people alive, uh, to be honest. And uh, so it's been, uh, it's, it's been a huge thing that's taken up all of our time and energy and thoughts and prayers and, and everything uh, this whole year. Uh, but the needs there are unbelievable. And um, I shared a video recently, and, and it'll be on Facebook somewhere. Um, a few a week ago, a week ago now, I was there, and snow was falling on the ground. Um, all the houses we drove past were illuminated by candlelight um, because there's no electricity. Or if there is electricity, it's very uh, unpredictable and you don't know when it's going to be on, when you're going to have to rely on candles or generators if they have them. Uh, we have delivered to date uh, roughly eight generators uh, up into Ukraine. Uh, the generators are very, very, very difficult to purchase here. <laughs> Anytime we get one, we call it a miracle because um, so many of them are being purchased and presumably sent to Ukraine uh, or maybe being courted by people uh, in their basement in case things get worse here. I don't know. Um, but uh, generators are very hard to come by. And so everyone we find, we call it a miracle and we take it up to our people. Um, but yeah, uh, there's no electricity often. And with that, there's no heat. And so uh, it's very cold there. Uh, I would say it's very similar to what you guys are experiencing and will experience in, you know, in, in North, uh, Northeast Indiana uh, soon. But um, so we're just doing whatever we can to keep people clothed with warm things, keep them uh, with the ability to have heat and, and keep food available, um, canned goods and things that have, you know, a long shelf life, um, just trying to keep them alive, to be honest. And that sounds kind of um, extreme, but it's it's the reality. So um, every day, uh, like I said, messages are different. The situation's different, um, but um, the needs are astronomical and uh we are very privileged that we are so close geographically that we have the opportunity to go up and and to help out and um i know church of god in the united states uh has in canada has given so much to disaster relief uh, the church of god disaster relief fund uh, project um, <clears throat> has received so much and so much of it has been uh used to transport goods up there to keep yeah. the to keep these people alive. So thanks uh, for any support you guys have sent that way or might send that way in the future, individually or as a congregation. Um, the needs are astronomical. So 
It's great to hear the stories of how, you know, one life at a time, one, you know, one group is trying to make a difference and just being the hands and feet of Jesus there. And we're thankful for what you're doing. Another thing I'm really excited about Three Worlds is the intentional investment in young leaders. And at County Line, we're very uh, passionate about raising young leaders. And I think it's a important role of the church. So I know you guys have been working on this, but do you have some stories to tell us about a young person whose leadership is shining through? Sure. I mean, there's so many, to be honest. Um, uh, Chris was just at our Three Worlds Leadership Network uh, event, 3WLN, that was in late October, early November. And that is an opportunity to bring together young leaders from throughout the region of Europe and the Middle East. And we put it on every 18 months. And uh, the... it's a conference, but the Three Worlds Leadership Network is not the conference. The Three Worlds Leadership Network is this mystical fellowship of of these people who come together at the conference and often meet there. Um, There are so many people. Um, I mean, you guys know Samir Salibi uh, in in Paris, the the founding pastor of At Home. Um, Samir has reached out to us and has said, hey, uh, our church at home, uh, we want to help uh, the situation in Ukraine. Um, if you can't find generators, maybe we can get them in Paris and drive them over. Um, so they're looking into opportunities to do that. No pressure, Samir, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but that's an incredible example of, of the fellowship and of the unity and of um, how everyone is. It's not about me. It's not about, you know, our, 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 our name or whatever. It's about we together working together um, at the conference we had in October, early November, we had several young people from our Church of God here in Hungary. And one of them in particular, who I won't say her name because she's only 16, but uh, she came and she has such incredible leadership potential. Uh, she came uh, as probably the youngest delegate because usually we try to limit it to 18, but we know her and we know that she's very mature and very insanely mature in her faith, uh, especially for someone her age. Um, she volunteered to help with the worship team, which turned into her leading the worship team, yeah. uh, a worship team of people who were sometimes twice her age, sometimes more than that. Uh, and, and she led worship every night uh, in, in, in an amazing way, in a very professional way, in a way that's way beyond what she could have and should have been able to do, given her age and, and experience or lack thereof. But um, she came back even more hungry uh, and said, hey, um, I want to be involved more uh, in, in our local church. I want to be involved more uh, in, in, in ministry. Um, and so she's asked so many incredible questions about discerning a call to ministry. Um, and what does it mean to, to be a church leader? Um, what do I need to do to, to step up and, and do that? Um, so that's an amazing story. Um, another one of our young ladies who attended um, uh, she came back and she said that uh, she just felt different. And, and, and more than that, everyone who, who saw her said, what's different about you? You're like, it's like you've got a glow about you. You, you seem like a different person than who you were you know, a couple weeks ago. So uh, we're excited to see uh, what the future has in store for her as well. Um, she is more of an introvert, um, but I would say, uh, but she also is unbelievably mature in her faith. Uh, and really for years, like she, she lives at the church, not literally, but you know, like she's one of those people that she's always there, uh, and just has this deep hunger for the word of God and for growing in her faith. So those are just a couple examples. Um, 
but a lot of exciting things are happening, uh, but it's happening very slowly and it's happening um, through pouring into these people. And uh, after years, um, you know, the, the, the seeds have been planted and watered and eventually they grow. So uh, I would say to go back to how we started this conversation, uh, that is a great illustration of uh, effective ministry here in Europe. Um, it's not something that happens quickly at all. Um, it's something that happens over time. It's great for, uh, for visitors to come uh, and spend a few days or a week or, or so here or short-term trips. Um, but uh, a lot of times the fruit doesn't happen with that. That's the beginning of the relationship. And then those people go home to America or wherever, and they maintain a, a Facebook or Instagram relationship with, with these people. And after months or years, uh, then our people here feel comfortable to ask the hard question about, so how does it, how, how do you really live your faith or, or whatever? So it's very slow, um, but it's forward progress. So that's a good thing. Absolutely. We are doing what we can to advance the mission. Absolutely. I see what you did there. That was I good. See what you did there. That was good. Dan, thank you so much for uh, just spending a little bit of time with us and, and going over some of that stuff. That was very insightful. Um, just, I think it just gave people a little bit different perspective of, of where these funds are really going to help and support. Um, Cause yeah, they are going towards planting churches they are going towards empowerment of young leaders um, around the region. So thank you for that. Thank you for joining us. Um, yeah. And, and this is, this is officially Mary Allen's last advancing the mission with us because she is leaving. So, so thank you, Mary Allen too, for my pleasure, for my pleasure. being my co-host for all of these episodes. Yes. You know, I replaced <laughs> Tapman. And immediately uh, okay. the bar was raised. So yeah, it got better like <laughs> this. So he can't. Tavin's his boss, so he can't say anything. Oh. Well. <laughs> yeah, so it's well. been fun. It's been so fun. And when COVID came, it taught us how we can just talk to people all over the world anytime yeah. we want. And it has really yeah. been great. We've yeah. had so much fun. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Dan. Thanks, Mary Ellen. Thanks, everybody who watched. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.